0: Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you're here today because God's word is going to build you up and his word will strengthen you to do what he has called you to do and to become the person that he has destined for you to become. And we give God all the praise for that. Now, before we jump into today's main message, first, let's receive the tithes and offerings. Let's bring them into the storehouse of God and honor God with our finances, and let's see what God's Word, which is His instruction manual. That's what it is. The Bible is God's instruction manual for us, for our lives. Let's see what the Lord says about tithing. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. My friends, the tithe belongs to the Lord. The tithe means 10% of all of your increase, of all that you earn, of all the money that comes into your hands. Praise God. Now, the book of of Leviticus, of course, is named after the priest who were descendants of Levi, and they were to instruct us concerning the commandments of the Lord, concerning many of the laws of society, the moral laws, the the ethical laws, the laws surrounding uh, purity, the laws surrounding worship, and so forth. And here they are instructing us that the holy tithe belongs to the Lord Himself. And then, of course, we see over In the book of Malachi, chapter uh, 3, verse 10, where the prophet says, Bring all the tithes, and of course the Lord is speaking through the prophet, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. So again, we are instructed by the Lord to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And the storehouse technically is the place where you are spiritually fed. Praise God. Now, I would like to share this, that my wife and I, we always pay tithes on our personal money, on our personal income or anytime there's personal gifts or personal money that comes into our hands, we always tithe from our personal money. And let me say something extra as well. We believe here in this ministry, we believe the whole Bible. We believe the full gospel. And we believe that the tithe belongs to the Lord. And we believe that also there are those times when the Holy Spirit leads us, instructs us to even give offerings. And let me say that, Every offering that we have ever announced or have made available for uh, people to participate in, my wife and I always participate in those offerings out of our personal money. What I'm trying to say is that as a minister, I'm not sitting back and not tithing and not giving, but I'm expecting God's people somehow to do it even when I don't. My wife and I are diehard tithers. We tithe on all of the increase that God brings into our lives, and we also give into every ministry project that this ministry tackles. We give out of our own personal account, and we also sow along with you. So we practice what we preach. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But I also want to share something with you special today that we need to consider concerning the subject of biblical tithing. And that can be unveiled in Hebrews chapter seven, Hebrews chapter seven. And let's go directly to verse one. Hallelujah. For this Melchizedek King of Salem, priest of the most high God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the Kings and blessed him, To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. So my friends, we see that Abraham gave the tithe to Melchizedek. He gave 10% to Melchizedek. But here's the catch. If you look at this carefully and step back and study it and look at it in a little more detail of when it eventually happens there in Genesis chapter 14, you will see that this is actually a corporate tithe that Abraham is giving. He's giving a corporate tithe to Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a symbol. He was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But again, this is not just a personal tithe that Abraham is giving. This is a corporate tithe that is a spoil of the war, a spoil of the plunder that he and his 318 servants who also had the ability to fight that transist, transitioned into a role of soldiers under his command, and they went from the southern part of Israel pursuing Lot and all that had been stolen that that Lot had in many of the possessions of the surrounding kings. Well, all of that was taken by raiders way up north, even north of Damascus, and Abraham made a very, very long journey with his men, and they caught up with the raiders, and they plundered the camp, and they rescued Lot, and they brought Lot back, and they brought back all of this spoil, the spoil of an army. So it's not just one man giving his tithe here. This, my friends, is actually the account of a corporate tithe. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you have a business and you want to experience a breakthrough from a biblical proven method In other words, you want your business to prosper and you're looking for a biblical method of increase. My friends, may I suggest that the owner of the business, should that be you, you should pay the corporate tithe on the business. Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I need to let you know that not only are my wife and I personal tithers, Hallelujah. In other words, if somebody gives me $10 million tomorrow, they give it to me personally, a million instantly, 1 million instantly, 1 out of 10 instantly goes into uh, the tithe account, and the tithe account is distributed uh, into the appropriate places that the Holy Spirit leads us to put that. Praise God. But I want you to know also that not only are my wife and I tithers, but this entire ministry is a tithing ministry. And the tithe from last year was a very, very large tithe that was sent out to other good ministries that are doing works of bringing the lost to Christ, that are helping uh, other ministries to throw the nets of evangelism and ministerial training. And my friends, we believe that there is a personal tithe and also a corporate tithe. And I also believe that if you follow the teachings of Jesus, the Word of God, then you will see your business flourish. Praise God. Look at something very interesting in Luke chapter 5. Let's go over to Luke chapter 5 just for a moment. And I would like for you to come with me to verse 4. Luke 5 verse verse 4. Praise God. When he had stopped speaking, he, that would be Jesus, said to Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Now envision that taking place with your business. So they signaled, watch this, They signal to their partners. You may want to underline that. They signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. So you have Peter and Andrew, and you have James and John, and they're all working together, and Peter is at the head of it. And what you're realizing is that they're on the Sea of Galilee. These guys have grouped together, they have come together, and they have a small fishing syndicate that they are working. What is a syndicate? It's when a group of individuals or even a group of corporations combine to control or manage a common interest. Woo, praise the Lord. And my friends, we see here that the Lord blessed their business. And so they they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they begin to sink. Praise the Lord. When you connect with the Word of God, when you obey the principles of tithing, and I would, even, I would even say that Abraham was a corporate tither, giving 10% of the entire plunder of all of them, 318 soldiers plus him. That's 319 at least. He took the entire tithe and gave that to Melchizedek. Woo! And it provoked Melchizedek to release A tremendous blessing. Mm -mm. Praise God. Praise God. Verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Praise the Lord. The Lord has the ability to bless, bless, bless your business. And I'm talking to some of you out there, businessmen, businesswomen, and some of you young people, you've already started a business. Maybe you're already in college and you've already started a business and you're thinking, I want to experience breakthrough. And it's not like you've got a board of directors of 30 people telling you what you can do and can't do. You have a business and you're running that business and you have the ability to even give the corporate tithe my friends and You can prove the Lord not only in the area of personal tithe where he opens the windows of blessing over your life and the rain of blessing, the rain of creative ideas, the rain of how to implement strategic sales and and how to understand your market and how to get to the top. That rain can fall upon the tither and my friends, it can fall upon the corporation because God can not only bless the individual, but he can bless the church. He can bless the ministry. He can bless the business that is a tithing business. Praise God. My friends, you're looking at a tithing church. woo! And because of that, we are doing things that are touching the world. Praise God. And I'm very, very excited about that and thrilled in my spirit about that. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So the the tithing principles that are found in the word of God are not for God's benefit. They are for your benefit and my benefit. And I want to say this, that while God does work through people, it's not like God is needy. In other words, if a person doesn't do something, it's not like God says, oh, well, the, you know, the whole world is going to fall apart because I've got these needs and there. You know, people aren't doing what I want them to do. You need to understand that God does work through people, but God is not needy. He's not needy. Which of you is a parent Uh, As a full-grown adult parent, has ever gone up to your three-year-old child, standing there, a little child, standing there holding a little bottle of milk, and you go up to the child and you say, son, let's say you have a son. You go up to your son and say, son, I just want you to know that your dad really needs your help. By today at five o'clock, son, I need you to help get me uh, $10,000 because if you don't get daddy $10,000, I'm going to be in a real bind. My friends, that's ludicrous. But yet sometimes people think they're helping God. Oh, we have to tithe because God's God's broke, and we got to help tithe. No, these principles are not for God's benefit. This is for your lifting, not God's lifting. God's already lifted. God's already uh, owning all the cattle on a thousand hills. God owns all the silver and the gold. God owns the universe. God owns all the gold and silver, all the precious metals, all of that. God has all of that. This is not for God's lifting. This is for our lifting. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, God does not depend on your purse or your wallet. Your purse and your wallet are dependent upon God. These principles are for your benefit. They are for your lifting. Praise God. And as you fully commit to being a tither, and those of you that are in business, you have your own business, you need to really think about not only the personal tithe, about the potential of the corporate tithe. Because you are a tither, and you step into that with full certainty and full commitment, the biggest and most successful victories in your life will be stress-free. Mark my words. Praise God. They'll be stress-free. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah, because you are touching supernatural supply. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, knowing that God has this planned out, and that as we seek his kingdom first, and his kingdom has rules and principles that govern his kingdom, as we operate these principles, as we obey his commandments, we step into his divine supply. Let us now honor the Lord and bring the tithe into two. The storehouse. And also, if you would like to sow a special seed, you can do that as we have a few special ministry projects that we're focused on right now. And if you would like to mail in your tithe or a special offering as well, you can send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. Again, 28654. Now, if you would prefer to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so from anywhere in the world, anytime, day or night. Please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that's, that says giving. Actually, I think it just says give. has a red heart on it. And you can click there, and you'll see the designated box for tithes, And the tithes belong to the Lord. Bring them on into the storehouse, and you'll see the various ministry projects that we're working on. Praise God. And thank you for sowing into those projects as the Holy Spirit leads you in the area of an offering. Praise the Lord. Now, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your people are covenant people. They're not people that work by luck, chance, or You know, pie in the sky, or just, you know, it'll all work out. No, Lord, we work by principles. I thank you that your people govern their lives by the principles of your word, which are eternal, which are enduring forever. And we thank you, Father God, that we are walking in the light of your kingdom. Now, Father, bless your people, lift them to the top, let their lives be distinguished. And let their lives reflect the life of Abraham, the man of faith, who also was a tither. I thank you, Father, for those that have their own businesses. I thank you for them honoring you with the corporate tithe. And I thank you for opening the windows of heaven over their business. Thank you, Father, as well as their personal lives. Now, Father, we give you all the praise. We thank you for your mighty word in Jesus' name. Let us agree, shout, and say, Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, my friends, let's take our Bibles, and, well, look at this. We're right here at Luke chapter 5, so I would like for us to stay in Luke chapter 5, and I want to talk today about stepping out, stepping out in order to step into a miracle praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Now what I'm going to share with you today, uh, is it's very, very difficult to get around this key that I'm going to give you. I know that there's, there's principles and there's methods, but what I'm sharing with you today is a principle. It's just the way that God operates. And so it's a key and you can use this key. And in some ways, because this key can, uh, you know, you're going to have to grow in your faith and grow in your walk with the Lord in order to use this key right and accurately. Nevertheless, it is the key that will help you to step in literally into miracles, and we're going to talk about it today, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your Word, we see today that we are faced with a task that sometimes can be very, very challenging. But Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the leading of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for certainty within our hearts. And we thank you for knowing when to insert the key and turn it and to go through the door. Now, Father, we give you all of the praise that your Holy Spirit bring, fresh revelation today. In Jesus' great name we pray. And we all agree and say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Now Luke chapter 5, and let's go to verse 18. We're talking about stepping out to step into a miracle. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. How about that? We have a paralyzed man, and he's brought in on a bed. Mm -mm. Well, they're going to have to really work to get this man to Jesus, do some more unorthodox things to get him there, to get him in front of the Lord, such as take him up on the roof, et cetera. We know the story. And eventually, he ends up right in front of the Lord. And that brings us to the dramatic verse of verse 24. But Jesus says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things Today, my friends, in order to step out, to step into a miracle will require that you must perform an act of obedience and the act of obedience that you must do must be done in faith. And all of these amazing stories in the Bible, if you look and you scan through it, Somewhere in that miracle, you'll find that there was an act of obedience carried out by that individual or by that group. Pastor Stephen, what was the act of obedience? Here it is. Jesus said, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Now, the guy's paralyzed when the Lord says that. Here's what most modern-day evangelical Christians would say, well, Lord, what do you mean? Get up and rise up. Get, Lord, can't you see? I, I can't. Lord, I, I'm paralyzed. Lord, what are you talking about? I can't. And that's where they miss it. My friends, stepping out and stepping into a miracle requires that you must perform an act of obedience. I, I wish I could tell you that there's some other way to your miracle. I wish I could tell you that you could just sit back and boom, it just comes right to you all the time, just like that. But my friend, so often God requires that you, and, and you know, it's not like somebody else can do it for you. Your best friend, even the pastor or another minister, it requires that you perform an act of obedience in faith. I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And you know what? He did it. He got up on that word and it performed, it produced immediately. He rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house. And he's, he's fully healed. The paralysis is completely gone, but you can't lay there saying, well, Lord, uh, don't you know I'm paralyzed? That's why I'm on this cot. Can't get up. And that's why they lowered me down because I can't move. Nope you move, you get up, you get up. Praise God. When the Lord says, go, you have to go. And it's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. If you want your miracle, you got to step out. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that, that implies risk. Well, I would say in faith, it's not so much like it's like you're taking some kind of a blind risk as it is you are doing something where you're trusting God and you're going into something new. Now, when you have gone a certain path and on that certain path, you have grown from faith to faith, glory to glory. You can get comfortable in increase in that path. But when you are working on the the various chapters of your life and you're developed in this area, And then now it's time for you to step into a new chapter over here on this part of your life in this chamber of your walk with God. Okay. This could be something that in this area, you've never done it before in this area. So yes, it can be like, whoo. Yeah. I've stepped out over here, but this is a new, this is a new thing for me. And, um, this is like a new branch in my life. And, uh, wow. Okay. So I'm just going to really endeavor to hear the word of the Lord And when the Lord speaks, go, whoo, praise God. So you can have these struggles in your mind while faith is still working in your heart, but don't let the doubt get into your heart. Just keep walking it out with God. And there are those times when he expects you to take the next step and nobody else can take it for you. And this paralyzed man is now at a place where the four friends back off They've done their part. They have done all they can do. And now it's this man one-on-one with the Son of God. Nobody else can respond now except him. Not his mother, not his pastor, not his friends. And he's certainly not going to get any help or support from all the religious people sitting there in the house. My friends, he obeyed and he stood up and power surged through his body. And he was healed from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's go over now to Luke chapter 12. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 12. And let's drop down to verse 9. Praise God today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Luke 9, and I'm actually, excuse me, not Luke, Matthew. Matthew chapter 12, verse 9. Yes, that that looks a lot better. The other story was good, but not the one I'm looking for. Matthew chapter 9, excuse me again, Matthew chapter 12, verse 9. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into a synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. Mm. Okay, so we have another physical problem. He has a withered hand. Let's go down to verse 13. Then he, that would be Jesus, said to the man with the withered hand, Stretch out your hand. Right there again is a place where many Christians would say, Well, Lord, what do you mean stretch out my hand? Can't you see it's withered? I can't. Lord, I, I, I can't. Ah, my friends, when the Lord gives the word to go, when the Lord gives the commandment, then you must respond right then in that anointing, in the moment of the anointing. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And it was restored as whole as the other. Praise God. I need to let you know that God's not a joker. Now, God does have a sense of humor, but God's not a joker where he's trying to set you up to humiliate you, to embarrass you, because my friends, these things are very, very real. This is life in in the real world where you are endeavoring to honor the Lord with your faith and to bring glory to him And you don't want to do anything that's foolish or stupid. You don't want to do anything that would be presumptuous, just stepping out with, you know, just thinking, you know, in a very foolish way that God's in it when you're not even sure. But no, we are endeavoring to honor God and His Word. And I want you to know that God is very, very serious about leading you into your miracle step by step by step. And that as you walk, this out with him, you do eventually get up to the big step. You actually get up to the moment and that moment, whoo, it, um, you can feel it. Praise God. Uh, you can feel it in the spirit realm. Like God, this is it. And I'm, I'm either going to on this step. I'm going to have to either be all in or all out. And my friends, when your time has come though, And it is the Lord's time for you. And he says, stretch out your hand. I want you to know God's not playing games with you. That if you stretch out your hand in that moment, it will come out just like it did for this man. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. Woo! Now he's got the miracle testimony. Why? He acted on the word and shot that arm out there. Praise God. And it came out. Mm -mm. But there are some, they want to hold the arm back and they want to say, well, Lord, I'm not going to stretch it out. You stretch it out for me. Ah, and they forget. They forget this incredible principle, this key of faith, which is that you, you must perform and act. Of obedience, and that act of obedience must be done in faith. Woo! Yes, you can feel it. You might even be sweating. <laughs> Pastor Stephen, I'm cool as a cucumber. Well, there can be some places where uh, yeah, that, that coolness kind of evaporates because this is real, and you 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 know that. Hey, if this doesn't if this doesn't go through, um, I'm I'm going to have to really go back and. Reevaluate, and I'm going to have to get back to the drawing board. Praise God. Because I'm all in on this. And there is, there's potential um, consequences. If this doesn't happen, praise God. Mm -mm. Now, sometimes it can be just as simple as, you know, you missed it. Praise God. But other times there can be more invested. Mm -mm. And we see this especially, Woo. In our next story and these are those moments you're either all in or you're not in at all you have to be all in on this praise God especially when you're looking at destiny moments to step through and if you don't step through you know I I can't promise you that that's going to swing back around well pastor Stephen God will visit me tomorrow you can't make God do anything praise God so when it's your moment You have to really get ready for that. And the Holy Spirit will help you to get into the Word, to be edified in the Word so that you can know when it's your time. Praise God. But my friends, I would say there's some high stakes here. We're not talking about gambling at the Kentucky Derby. We're not talking about going to Vegas and, you know, working the slot machine. I don't mess with stuff like that. I have enough excitement in my own walk with God. stepping into these faith adventures, the things that he has said, this is my path for you. Walk this out step by step. That's quite exciting. I certainly don't need to be doing anything stupid or foolish and throwing money away. Praise God. Mm-mm. Mark chapter 10. Here we go. Verse 46, very famous story. We see in verse 46, this is dealing with blind Bartimaeus, our story now revolves around a blind man. Verse 49, here's the moment. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Now look, you've done all this work. You've shouted and you hollered and you, you, uh, you did your stuff to get, get the attention. Jesus, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, I believe you're the son of David. He's done all of that. They told him to shut up. He didn't shut up. You, you know the story. Jesus, no, no, no. Jesus told I'm over here. I'm right over here. And he persevered and persevered and persevered. And finally, the Lord stops. This massive multitude stops. And now it's the moment. Well. And you're like, well, well, you could be like, no, oh, wow, now hold on a minute. I did, didn't really know he was going to actually stop. I, yeah, I really want the miracle, and I, I certainly caused a ruckus here. But I, I didn't know it was going to mean that you know twenty thousand people are suddenly looking at me. I didn't know that this is was going to put me in a position like this. Praise God, praise God. But stepping out the step into a miracle requires somewhere along the line, that you perform an act of obedience. And guess what? Bartimaeus could not escape this either, and don't think that you'll be able to either. Now, every eye, every eye in that massive crowd is on him because Jesus has stopped. And then Jesus is going to say, what do you want me to do for you? Okay, so the moment is there. But just before Jesus says that, they said, be of good cheer. Rise. He is calling you. Okay. And it says, verse 50 and throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. You may want to underline that that has heavyweight significance and throwing aside his garment. Now, in our culture, in our day, we don't really see this uh, same customary thing played out. Although, I've seen, it, I've seen it in India. And believe it or not, I've seen it in Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Florida. And I've even seen it a little bit in uh, South Charlotte. Um, and this is, this is the element of wearing what was known back in that day as a beggar's garment. And a beggar's garment was something that was institutionalized by the Roman government and the Roman empire ruled over Israel during that time. And there was a rule that if you are handicapped, you're blind or something similar to that, a severe handicap, you uh, were given a beggar's garment that gave you legal permission to beg so that you would not starve so that you could have money and feed yourself and so forth. And, you know, that people could take care of you. And so that was an act of kindness. And the Jewish authorities, of course, embraced that rule, that regulation. And if you didn't have that garment, you couldn't beg. The garment was a license issued by the government that allowed you to receive these uh, funds, these acts of generosity and kindness by the people. Now, I've seen it in Tampa Bay, like I said, I've seen it in South Charlotte where sometimes government officials, city officials would say, well, we've got people begging and they're standing on the islands right in the middle of busy traffic intersections. And so there has been those on, you know, county boards or city boards that said, well, we don't want these people to get run over. uh, So let's give them a garment that lets people know motorists and so forth that hey uh, they're beggars they could use a little help and in the men, in in the meantime don't run over them so they they give them these highly reflective garments and you know their situation is not as severe as Bartimaeus of course who's blind but my friends again he threw aside that garment before he ever came to Jesus now here's what a lot of Christians today would do. They would say, Jesus, first, heal me of my blindness, and then I'll throw away the beggar's garment because then I won't need it anymore. Wow. And I could see even today some well-meaning Christians say, now look, look, Bartimaeus, don't throw that away because what happens if you go up there and it doesn't work? Wow. But real miracles, stepping in the real miracles, will take you along a path where eventually it's one-on-one with you and God. God's looking at you and, you know, he's expecting you to make that next move. And that next move requires that you perform an act of obedience that's done in faith. It'll always be there. Praise God. And for him, that's what he had to do. It was an act of obedience done out of faith. And he took that thing and he got rid of it. He threw it away. Again, these are weighty decisions. These are not games. This is your life on the line. Because the truth is, is that if he would have thrown that garment away and you know, something didn't work out and he's now still blind, he's never going to find it again in that crowd. There's too many people. He threw it away and he's walked over. They've taken him over to a different place and that's, it's over with now. He's in a mess. Oh, but my friends, these things are very, very important. Yes, we must, we must execute them in the fear of God. We must execute these obedient acts in the spirit of faith. And at the same time, at the same time, while we don't want to make a mistake and we want to be careful at the same time, eventually you bump up to the point, or guess what? It's, it's time now to step out. Mm-mm. Pastor Stephen sounds a little scary. It, it can be in that sense of you're, you're walking by raw faith in the Word of God and in that anointing of the Spirit. Let me give you an example in ministry. In ministry, as a, as a minister, it can become, can I use the word Comfortable. It can be comfortable preaching sermons and you can, you can preach them and you do it for a few years and then you do it maybe for a couple of decades and you actually can get, you get comfortable preaching and it's not like the crowd really moves you in the sense because you're so comfortable in that mode. Uh, you're going to preach the same way to 100 people or 10 people as 10,000 or a hundred thousand. You're just in your element of, You've gotten very developed in that. You're strong in that gifting. But to receive a word of knowledge after the preaching is done, and you stand there in front of all the people, and to receive a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit, to step out and minister that word, that can be, can I use the word terrifying? Woo! That can be massively exhilarating. And you're like, wow. And, you're, and see, here's the thing you're either right or you're wrong. And if you're wrong, well, it can be embarrassing, but you know, there's grace and there's some of these things. We only learn through growth and grace moving accurately in the spirit and endeavoring to hear from God. It's not like you wake up, you know, it's not like you come into the ministry and the next day you're like Elijah, you know, going around doing, you know, calling fire down and doing all of this stuff. You grow into that. You develop into that over many years, but still, you have to start somewhere and th- that's why a lot of good preachers, they'll, they'll never minister to people. Why it can be, uh, it can be wildly, uh, I mean, uncomfortable in the sense that you're standing there, maybe in front of a thousand people, maybe in front of 10,000 people and you're, you're endeavoring to hear from God and minister to the people. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of guys, A lot of gal ministers, they just say, you know, that's nice. I don't want to do that. That's why it takes a step of faith. It takes a step, a step of faith. You must perform an act of obedience, which is step out there. Okay, I'm getting something, an example. I'm getting something from the Lord, and you step out there, and if you give that first initial part, then the Holy Spirit sees your obedience, and he'll start to give you more, and he'll start to give you more, and then, boom, the next thing starts happening, and then the next thing you know, you're moving in it, and, and then you start getting comfortable in that. Now, I will say this. When it comes to moving in the spirit like that, there, there is always, though, an element of, uh, you know, like, like God, if you don't come through, you know, I can't do this. In other words, it's God that's working through that yielded vessel. And there is a tremendous dependence upon the Lord. Because if, if the Lord doesn't move, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. So you're always waiting on him for that divine help. But thank God at the same time with a calling to a five-fold ministry office, there is also supernatural equipment that is given. And as you walk out in faith and honor the Lord in faith, those gifts will flow. But even as those gifts flow through the servant of the Lord, you still have to operate them in faith. Woo. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm, It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Praise God. Now, you can get comfortable in ministering in the Spirit like that, uh, but it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of exercising those gifts. Praise the Lord. And by God's grace, I've been able to minister in I don't know how many meetings all over America, all over the world. So I enjoy ministering in the Spirit just like I do preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord in, in meetings. And sometimes I'll even minister over the internet in the gifts of the Spirit. Woo, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, but my friends, again, when you go into something new, and maybe there's a minister listening to me, and you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, I'd love to go into that, but that's just too risky for me. Well, you'll certainly feel that the first time you do it, but if you'll just step into what the Lord is taking you into, I'm telling you, He's not a joker. He's not a trickster. If you'll just stand in front of the people and say, God, what do you want to do now? Would you like to minister to your holy, uh, to your people by the power of your spirit, through the gifts of your spirit? What would you like to do? Just wait upon the Lord for a moment. My friends, as you honor the Lord in that way, God will work through a minister who yields in such fashion. Praise God. Praise God. But again, I'll say this. When you're actually doing it, and all those lights are on you, and cameras are on you, and everybody's looking at you. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very real moment. When you step out, it's a very real moment. Pastor Stephen. I, I, I feel like I'm going to sweat. Well, just do it while you're sweating. I mean, Pastor Stephen, I feel nervous. Well, just do it while you're nervous. Like one, one good minister said, I, I sense that fear, but you do it as you sense that stuff swirling around. Just go ahead and do it in faith. You go and do it. God's with you. And suddenly as you get into it, then all that, all that external uh, distracting stuff begins to evaporate. And then you're in the moment and then you're like, thank God I stepped into it and actually did it. Instead of always wondering about it, instead of always realizing that's what God had for me. Thank God I stepped into it. Praise the Lord. Yes, so it can be very challenging, uh, uh, particularly in these initial steps, because you have never walked that way before. But my friends, that act of obedience, it will be there, and God will be with you. Praise God. Let's look at one more example. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Praise the Lord today. Mm -mm. I'm teaching this today because for some of you, it's it's inescapable. You're bumping up. Now I I don't want to try to say something that would make somebody prematurely uh do something that the time is not ripe yet, but there are some that are listening to me, you're in you're coming into that Kairos moment, you're coming into that season of the open door, and it will be your time to walk out your act of obedient faith. Praise the Lord. Now Mark chapter five, verse twenty-five, and let me get a drink of water just for a moment. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, a flow of blood. Uh, this is a very difficult thing. 12 years. That's a long time. And it suffered many things from many doctors. I can imagine. So, uh, you know, it's not like back then they had uh, certain uh, understandings of hygiene and, uh, you know, real clean hospital rooms that you could go into and, and all these antiseptic things and all of that. Uh, Things were quite a bit cruder back then. And you know, she's a woman. She's having to have doctors examine her. And so there's a lot of, I'm sure, you know, you know, humiliation with that and everything like that. And so it gets worse. She has spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So now the sickness is getting worse, which would imply that the blood hemorrhaging, the blood flow is increasing. She can't control it. She can't stop it. And now She's going financially destitute. So this is not good. This is a serious situation. When she heard about Jesus, woo, how does faith come? Comes by hearing, hearing what, hearing what, hearing the word of God. What word? The rhema word, the living word. And in her case, it would be that, This man is the Messiah. He is mightily anointed by the Holy spirit. And he has a miracle working anointing. People are getting healed all over the place. And that's what she heard. That's what she heard when she heard about Jesus. And so it is hearing that word, not the whole Bible. And I believe in the whole Bible. The entire Bible is the inspired word of God, but it's not hearing the whole Bible. It's hearing that word that causes your faith to explode. Woo. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. That is the catalyst for stepping out with bold, obedient faith. Praise God. Now, now let's see here. Verse, verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Or as the KJV, King James Version says, I shall be made whole. Now, why does she come behind him? Because she doesn't want to come in front of a rabbi. She, don't, she does not want to come in front of a Torah scholar. She doesn't want to come in front of someone who is the word When she knows that what she's doing is out of bounds. Praise God. What do you mean, Pastor Stephen? Well, of course, we see in the Torah itself in Leviticus chapter 15, and we go to verse 19, it says, if a woman has a discharge Uh, Of course, that would be a discharge of blood and the discharge from her body is blood. She shall be set apart seven days and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Now, remember, we know from Matthew's gospel, same story that it says the crowds were pressing against Jesus. So there's no way. She got through that crowd without touching people. She's bumping into all kinds of people, just working her way, pushing against people, people pushing against her. I mean, technically, she's making everybody unclean that she's touching. This is a wild story. Mm -mm. She shall be unclean until evening. Verse 20, everything that she lies on during her impurity shall be unclean. Also, everything that she sits on shall be unclean. Verse 25, if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than at the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, well, that would certainly be the case with this woman. Then it says that all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. I mean, it goes on to say that the bed that she lies on. I mean, just everything, everything that she touches is unclean. Verse 27, whoever touches those things shall be unclean. He shall watch his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. She's unclean. Everything she's wearing is unclean. Everything is, that she's touching is unclean. So what does that mean? It means you're unclean and now you're still sick and now you're poor and broke. And so you get to be quarantined. Wow. What does that pile upon her? Loneliness, mental agony, separation from family members and friends, and the psychological warfare upon her mind of being an outcast, of being filthy and unclean. Wow. Wow. I'm telling you, you cannot treat these acts of faith lightly. Oh, that's no big deal if it doesn't work. Oh, you better believe it's a big deal. It's a big deal for Bartimaeus. He's all in or else he's in a mess. It's a big deal for her because she is violating. She is violating Mosaic law. And if this doesn't work, uh, she better hope she can get out of that crowd. But Nobody knows what's going on without nobody recognizing her, but it's too late. It's too late. Look what happens back to Mark chapter five. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord. Now, Immediately, uh, she said, "If, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And that's what she did not want to happen. She wanted to get a miracle and get out of there. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? In other words, everybody's touching her. Uh, excuse me, touching him. But see, she had the touch of faith for a miracle. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, fearing and trembling. Why is she fearing and trembling? Because she, know, she knows what she did. She's not allowed to be in this crowd. She's filthy. She's unclean. And if anybody knew it, they might just stone her right there on the spot. Mm-mm. Now the Lord Jesus wouldn't do that, but uh, he was always being ridiculed by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and trying to give him a hard time. She's taking her life into her hands. Well, now pastor Stephen, if it works, that's nice. If it doesn't, we'll just try again. No, th- this is your life. We're not experimenting with God. We're walking by faith and we're not playing silly games. No, this is serious stuff. Praise the Lord. Thank God that he's not a joker. Thank God that God's not, you know, looking out from heaven and seeing us make mistakes and fail and then face awful consequences because we're actually trying to serve him. No, no. When you grow in the Lord and the word develops you into the mature believer And you're walking in the fear of the Lord, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, which has great awe and respect for God. You're not out there flippantly trying to do something, trying to make a mistake. You are trying to live your life right. You are trying to live in maturity. And you're trying to move forward in the wisdom of God. And these things are very serious to you. And my friends, as serious as they are, and as much as we don't want to make a mistake, still, Eventually you're going to have to make that decision and you're going to be presented with that moment that either you can step into that miracle or you could play it safe, but either way it's going to require an act of obedience. If you want to go forward, praise God. She went for it. She was convinced. She was convinced. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. She got it. Time for a party. Time for a celebration. You know, back into the, back into the home she goes. Back into society she goes. Totally healed. Everything's good. Everything's good. But if she had not had demonstrated that performance of an act of obedience, it never would have happened for her. I wish I could tell you there's another way in. Wow. I wish that I could tell you that, you know, that uh, you'll never have to face something that is this, you know, like real. But it, yes, it's there. But God's with you. Amen. This is why a lot of a lot of Christians don't fulfill their destiny. They 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 talk about it. And look, many get Bible degrees, many get theology degrees, and many graduate from seminary, and they know all this stuff, but they won't they won't step into it. Why? It's uh it it takes a lot. It takes a lot. But the Lord's with you. The Lord is with you. Now, Pastor Stephen, how can I know of when to make that step with that assurance that if I'm going into that crowd with all of this defilement and this flow of blood, and if I'm going into that crowd risking my life, how can I know? What kind of assurance can I have that God's going to step through for me and I'm going to receive a miracle? Mm-mm. Look at Isaiah chapter 48. We're going to look at this verse for strength, for encouragement. Isaiah 48, verse 17, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit. Watch this. Who leads you by the way you should go? He will not only lead you along the way that you should go, but would help you to understand. He will help you to understand the sequencing of your steps. He will show you. So see, here's, here's the big thing. You first of all, have to see the way that you're supposed to go. And it is the Holy spirit. That is the only one that can unveil that to you. He is the destiny revealer. And when you see that path, He will also help you to know, because you have to walk it by faith. You have to walk it by faith. But He will help you to know when, as you make the journey, step by step by step, when that you're now to turn the page into a new chapter, and this chapter to go to this door requires that special act of obedient faith that reveals that you're ready to go to the next level. Mm, 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 mm. who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Now say this, say the Holy spirit leads me by the way I should go. And he'll also help you with the timing of that path. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory, glory to God. Glory to God. Let's get some further insight. Of getting the sequence lined up with that path. And we see this in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our Spirit that we are children of God. So let me ask you a question today How do you know you're saved? Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I know I'm saved. Yes, but how do you know? See, if an intellectual or an atheist says, well, explain to me or prove to me how you're saved. Well, really, you can't technically prove it to them because it's a inner experience. The kingdom of God is within. And you have been born again, not externally, of course, but internally in your spirit. But you know it, even if somebody else may not understand it or may not Uh, believe it, you know, you've been born again, how by the number one way that God lets all of his children know that they've been born again, which is the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. So the Holy Spirit just lets you know you are born again. And I knew it when I got saved, I knew I was saved. And when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I knew I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How in here, in here, I'll tell you this When I got saved, when I was born again, it felt like 2,000 pounds came off my shoulders. That's literally what it felt like. The sin burden rolled off of me, and I knew in here, I have now been born again. This is what all the Christians have taught about. This is what I've heard in church growing up. I knew it the moment it happened to me. Woo! glory to God. Mm -mm. How'd you know it, Pastor Stephen? Holy Spirit living on the inside of me, bearing witness with, not my toe not my intellect. In other words, somebody didn't talk me into this and now somebody else can talk me out of it. No, the Holy spirit bearing witness with my spirit who I knew it. And I also knew through the Holy spirit bearing witness with me. When I received the Holy spirit, the baptism in the spirit and speaking in tongues mm, mm, mm. and that same Holy spirit will help you on that path. He will help you on that path and he'll start to quicken you. He'll start to bear witness with your spirit. Get ready. The door of destiny is soon going to open for you. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You may thank God. That's the door I've been praying for for 10 years. Lord, that's the door I've been praying about for 10 years. And here's the thing. When you suddenly get up to that moment, you, you can feel it. Your flesh can feel it. Woo. And you're like, God, I, 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 I I don't know. But you know what? Your spirit knows how through the Holy spirit bearing witness. This is your moment of destiny. Praise God. Amen. Oh, what does that mean? Pastor Stephen? It means to go through that door. There will be some type of corresponding action of obedient faith that you will have to do. And for you, I'm sure it's not throwing away a garment. For you, I'm sure it's not sneaking up behind Jesus in a crowd. For you, it's something different. Praise God. My friends, throughout so many of the great miracles of the Bible, if you look carefully, you'll see it sit there somewhere, and somewhere it's going to be in the mix for you. Get ready, because I see the favor of God resting on your life, and that as you walk into it, Jesus walks into it with you. Why it's your destiny and extremely important. It's your time. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those with hands uplifted and hearts wide open to go into the new door, the door of destiny. I thank you, father. I ask you for strength. And I ask you that your faith be imparted into them in that moment. I thank you, Father God, and let there be grace and favor, 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 favor in the name of Jesus. Now we thank you, Father God, that the miracle is on the other side. We give you the praise in Jesus name. I can hear somebody. You're almost like pleading with God. Lord, please. No, no, Lord, please do the miracle first. And then I'll go through the door. He'll be with you. It's not going to work that way that the carnal mind wants to work. You must believe first. You must have the act of obedience first. And then you go through praise God. You can't have the miracle first. God is a faith. God, it is impossible to please him without faith. But I see you, you're a child of faith and your, your faith in God, in his word, in what he has told you, your faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And God has put in you what it takes to do what he has called you to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, if you're watching today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and savior, and you don't even understand his principles of faith, but you're attracted to his holy kingdom of eternal life and of a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. My friends, God has given to every measure uh, to every man the measure of faith to believe in Christ. And faith comes by hearing. And Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ came to earth to be born of a man to be born through Mary <laughs> to become a man. And he grew up, lived a sinless life, preached the gospel, healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out demons. And then he died on the cross at Calvary. But on the third day, he was raised from the dead. And now he has been taken up into heaven. Praise God. And my friends, eternal life is found in him. Because he has paid the full penalty of sin. He paid it. If you put your faith and trust in him right now, you can receive forgiveness of sins. You can receive eternal life into your spirit. Are you ready to pray that prayer? Say yes. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I repent of all of my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Wash my sins away with your blood. Write my name in your book of life. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. And he has heard your prayer and he has answered it. You are now born again. Praise the Lord. Let's all lift our hands and rejoice and say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mighty Savior. Praise God. Now, as a family of believers, let's take Holy Communion together. Grab some unleavened bread. I use these little crackers. If you don't have one of these, you can find a substitute, like a little cracker, something like that, and some grape juice, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the juice and the bread. We bless it now. We consecrate it. We set it apart through this prayer as now being holy, and we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus, our Savior. Father, as we receive the body of Christ, as we receive his flesh, we thank you, Father God, that when it's time to go through the door, you go with us, and faith will be there. Thank you, Father, even let the gift of faith be active. Thank you. Your faith in us, Your faith in us. Because if it's your faith, all it takes is a mustard seed of your faith. We thank you, Father God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the flesh of Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. We honor his blood. We ask, Father, that if we've committed any sins, that you would forgive us. Wash all of our sins away. We ask that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you. And Father, we forgive anybody who sinned against us. We release them. We bless them. Hallelujah. We go on with you. Thank you, Father God. We pray that you would lead us away from temptation. We pray that you would deliver us from the evil one. Thank you. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We thank you, Father God, that we are in covenant with you through the shed blood of Christ and that we belong to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise God. 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 Hallelujah. Mm-mm. I do believe that as a New Testament believer, that you can get so in the spirit and you could get so prayed up and you can just worship and praise the Lord that some things you just walk right through the door. Like, I mean, it's just like God is so with you that the thing that you're doing, which others would say is not even possible, but you're so caught up in the Lord that you just go, you just go. And the next thing you know, you're on the other side, you're on the other side. And it's not like the throwing away of the garment was any big deal. You're so caught up in God. Yes. Yes. May that be your experience. Amen. Stay full of the Holy Spirit. Stay full of the fresh oil. Amen. And watch God's favor rest upon you, causing you to have miracle favor. Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching. See you back next time.